This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here. We're back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. I have a great guest today. He is the chief customer officer at Zoom Info. His name is Dominic Castandi. And we are going to be talking about, oh, I think we're going to talk a little bit about how data can influence the the outcome of a customer experience. But more importantly, I'm looking at some of the notes that Dominic has shared with me. We're going to talk about how customer experience makes a difference and decommoditizes. That's such a word. Decommoditizes a company so that they can be different than their direct competitors. A few quick things before we dive into the interview. And that is, if you've got an amazing story you want to share or a question you want to ask, please reach out to me on any of the social media channels. If it is a question, use the hashtag AskShep and I will respond either there in the channel, I'll respond to my newsletter on this show or maybe my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home. That can be found on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Prime, C-Suite TV, and you can go to YouTube and catch episodes. Just go to beamazing.tv. That's beamazing.tv. All right, let's jump into the interview. Dominic, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Shep. I love the accent. I can tell you're not from uh, San Francisco area originally. That is true. Yeah, originally hailing from uh, from London, England. So, All right. Yeah, All right. Well, I know by the time everybody listens to the show, this will be history, but uh, tomorrow I'm going to London. So, uh, oh, there you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Any any particular reason on that one? Yeah, I'm going to, uh, out for a conference and it's just a quick trip. Uh, actually heading to New York tomorrow, Thursday, London, home by the weekend. So it's oh uh, typically these are, are pretty quick. But hey, this is not about me. This is about you and Zoom Info. Why don't you very quickly give us like the elevator version of uh, like your pitch on what you're all about? Yeah, so I think... Um, at a high level, Zoom Info, we believe that data sort of drives the foundation of all of your go-to-market efforts fundamentally, sort of the insights that you get, the engagement and the intelligence. Um, and I think obviously with this period of accelerated digital transformation, some of this stuff is more prevalent than I think we've seen it before. I think high level with our customers, uh, sorry, with our platform, we help our customers discover their ideal buyer with real-time intelligence and we kind of have insight-based targeting to help them prioritize their outreach. We fuel that outreach with automated data enrichment and activity reporting and integration with CRM systems and email. And then finally, we help them orchestrate their go-to-market motion um, with sort of AI intelligence, targeted online advertising, custom API solutions. So really, in a nutshell, it's helping you identify your next best buyer. Basically. I love that. I mean, you, you get really specific. You want to find the ideal buyer. And you know what? Help me do that. You know, and they say 50% of advertising is effective. You just have to understand which 50% most right. people don't know. And it's the same thing. We're out there. Okay, we want to narrow down who is the perfect buyer for us. Exactly. That's exactly what it's about. It's about 
the right and I, I think the timing is an important thing it's not only the who it's the when because we all we, you know, we've all been buyers we've all been customers and we know what that's like you know there's a there is a window where we are where we're looking to, to for a solution or looking to make a change or make a purchase or make an investment and it's about knowing who to talk to with what message and also when so i think that's kind of it's the who the how and the when Right. Well, you are a chief customer officer of a pretty exciting company that's doing some really cool things. And uh, I'd love to get your take on what's going on out there in your whole customer service and experience world. Yeah, I think, you know, um, I'd probably be remiss or at least living under a rock if I didn't say that, you know, I think the world around us, particularly in tech, has has changed you know, pretty dramatically, even from 2020 to today, I think we've seen a few different sorts of oscillations. I think, you know, 2020 to 2021, we saw just really acute digital transformation. We saw, um, you know, just aggressive growth in the tech sector. You know, I think a lot of companies um, growing, receiving funding and customer bases growing and a lot of, a lot of companies making really significant investments in sort of some of their digital motions. And for us, obviously in that go-to-market space, you know, Mm-hmm. Do you think? Um, do you think there was an adoption of existing ideas that were just accelerated, or was there true innovation of things that had never been done before? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of the latter. I think it's probably really? most of the latter, a little bit of the former, in the sense that I think there were some companies that were beginning to lean in to how do how do you use data to drive you know? And again, I I, I just speak from from the industry I'm in, but you know, how do I use data to drive maybe my go-to-market? How do I use data to empower my sellers? And I think, you know, historically sales has, has been that kind of, uh, you know, pre-CRM, it was people with black books and then CRM came. And then since then it was, you know, deals still being done in person and over dinners and at conferences. And not to say those things don't happen, but I think obviously with the pandemic, you know, you saw this digitization where what, what we saw was companies saying, Gosh, I can't get my my sales field team in the field, and so I need to empower them to still be productive and selling and generating um, generating revenue. But they can't be outside the office or they can't be outside their living room for some cases. And how do I empower them and make them effective? And I think that's where you saw people really leaning into sort of data and data insights and and how you can engage and activate those data insights to sort of to take to go to market. I think since 2021, obviously, and I think with some of what we've seen in 2022, with, I think, some of the shift in the economy, um, I think now, and this is going to sound cliche, and I don't mean it to, but quote, unquote, now more than ever, um, <laughs> customers, customer experience and, and sort of the service that you're providing your customer base is is super prevalent, because I think all of those all of those kind of handy tailwinds that you might have had in a in a robust growing economy where you know maybe buyers are buying ahead you know especially in a a recurring revenue business where you're selling seats and software people buying seats ahead because they're anticipating the growth people wanting to lean into the technology leaning into the scale leaning into the increase in productivity and i think now like so like so many players in 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 sort of saas models the customer base is sort of saying, hey, you know, we, we, we really need to think hard about sort of where we're putting our investments. And, and you know, we've got to make every dollar count in, in an environment like this. And so naturally, when you're having conversations with your customers, 
the thing that they're always talking about now is, is the value. It's, okay, are we getting value from this investment? Are we getting the value? Are we getting more value from this one versus the other one, right? People are, are looking at their tech stack and they're being really critical in their evaluation of what's giving me the highest ROI. And I think not to say that customers don't always think about that, but I think in, in an environment like this one, that is a, a, a preeminent question. And and you made a point just a moment ago that customer experience is more important than ever. And that we're going to segue into that in, in just yeah. a moment. But I think that back to where we are right now, uh, as we do this interview at, toward the end of 2022, um, and we've taken a look at the last just two years, yeah. four incredibly huge events are rocking our world in business. And the right. first was the pandemic. Now, prior to that, we're ramping up. We're just having this incredible economy. Last time we had any issues, 2008, nine, you know, it's like yeah. 10, 12 years ago, things are beautiful. Yeah. And then this pandemic hits, we think, is the world coming to an end? No, it, we come out of it, takes a while. I remember it's March going, you know, well, in a couple months, we'll be back. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. We all thought yeah. that, right. You know, yeah. and, and then, and then we get this thing called the supply chain issue. What's going mm -hmm. on there? Then right on the tail of that, employment issues. Mm -hmm. Now in, 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 we're hitting economic recession type issues. Worldwide, we're looking at economic issues, not to mention you know any other issues that are happening even regionally with the war in the Ukraine and Russia and all that. Uh, yeah. But, but this is all happening in a two-year span, okay? Mm -hmm. And so I believe companies are scared, executives, Leaders are scared to make decisions unless they can have good ROI and proof of that ROI. Yes. And I, I think part of what your solution does at Zoom Info is it gives people the data they need to make good decisions. Right. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a fantastic uh, there's a fantastic mantra, and I I'd love to say claim that I said this, but I didn't. Um, so I'm stealing this from someone else. But it says it says um, good decisions made off of bad data are just bad decisions you don't know about yet. Ooh. And like that one, boom. I love that. Boom. I love that. But, but you don't yeah, know so where it came from. I well, no, not currently. I will. But then I will take it. Out. Take it. I oh my god! Just, just attribute that to myself. But uh, <laughs> but yes, that would be giving myself far too much credit. But I think. But to your point, I agree. It's exactly that. And I think that one of the things that I think we see a lot of is you know you have this concept of you know FOMO, the sort of fear of missing out, right? As the acronym, I think. There's a little bit of that fear right now, especially to your point with uncertainty in, in the marketplace and pe people sort of don't know which way to lean. I think you're seeing a little bit of what, what I've heard others kind of describe as FOMU, which is fear of messing up, where when people are thinking about making those investments and, and picking a path to growth or picking a path to sort of sustainable or durable growth, there is that fear of you know, the opportunity cost of every dollar right now is that much more critical. And so is this notion of if I go spend and make a decision or, 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 or ramp this team or invest in this product line, that you're constantly thinking, what if I'm wrong? Because if I'm wrong, this decision feels way harder and way more costly than it did a year ago or, or to your point pre-pandemic, mm, right? Yeah. Uh, where you could miss, fail fast, repivot, go again. Now you're in this position where, gosh, if I miss, like, I don't, I don't have that many swings, right? I don't have yep. that many at bats, right? To get wrong in this type of environment. So I think to your point, empowering people with, with data to make the right decision 
um, and around where they should invest, where they lean in, where they double down, where they pull back, uh, I think is something that the marketplace is is feeling. Wow. I've never heard of FOMU, but uh, yeah. uh, I am going to actually probably write an article about the fear of messing up now. You And I will attribute it to our conversation. Uh, <laughs> I so appreciate that. For, for introducing me to this new concept. Um, and I'm going to learn a lot more about it. I'm going to Google it. I'm going to study it. And <laughs> thank you. Hey, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to really segue into the whole customer experience in our pre-show conversation and the notes that I have leading up to this. Uh, you give some great examples of where really the experience counts over uh, basically a commoditized industry. Let's right. talk about that when we get back and much more. We are talking with Dominic Constandi, who is the chief customer officer of Zoom Info. Don't go away. We're coming right back. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert. And I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to come back again and again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll Be Back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Dominic Costandi at Zoom Info. And I want to shift into talking about the customer experience. Uh, I know you've got a great example here of a mm -hmm. commodity in my mind that you have made a choice to do business with a specific company in this industry simply because of the experience. Everything else is pretty much the same. Although I'm going to ask a few questions that might make you think differently, which is fine. So let's go ahead and start with this whole idea, first impressions, last impressions, because that, yeah. uh, that's important to you. And and I've always believed the first impression is it's not the first time you meet somebody or do business with somebody. It could be the 500th or 5,000th. It's what sets the tone for what's yeah. to follow. And then the last impression is what you remember that hopefully brings you back uh, yeah. because it was a, a positive way to close off this particular, I always call it an interaction, not a transaction Yes, uh, because it might lead to the next interaction. So anyway, exactly. let's start there. Yeah. So I think to segue off of what exactly what we're saying there, Shep, I think that it's not about the first interaction. It's about, I like to think of it as sort of, you know, and again, without sounding corny, you know, moments of truth, right? You know, and it happens, you know, even in a relationship, right? A friendship, uh, a partnership, you know, there are these moments where you can choose to show up in a big way for your partner, your friend, your mom or your dad, a family member, your child, right? There are these moments, right? Um, uh, that you can choose to to show up in a big way and, and, and because it, that is a moment. That is a moment that has a high value associated with it. And so when I think about things like that, um, a classic one I actually think about in terms of those moments, I think a lot about, and an example I often give is sort of, is is when you think about hotels, actually. Mm -hmm. um, when you think about hotels, they all spend a lot of money on the lobby, 
and that kind of, you know, because you walk in, it's your first sensory experience, right? It's, you know, the smell, the look, the lighting, the space, the layout. It's, it's, it is one of those moments of truth, right? You're looking and you're saying, okay, gosh, like, how do I feel? And then you get to the front desk. And if you, all of those major hotel chains, they've got very rigorous training and enablement around sort of the way they they way they want their staff to address guests, the way they want the staff to kind of dress themselves and sort of the image they're putting out, whether it's we're, we're sort of a business hotel or we're kind of a family-friendly hotel. But regardless, there's a lot of thought that goes into kind of the branding and the feel and the, and the interactive experience with the customer base. So when you check into a hotel, the example I always give is that is a real moment of truth because... You all, you can remember, I'm not sure how many viewers out there who are avid travelers, but you all know what it feels like when you get to the hotel and the line is long, they're understaffed at the front desk, you're tired because you've been traveling, you've got bags on you, and they, they, you know, it takes them a second to find the reservation, uh, they don't have your loyalty points or something, they put you in a, you know, in a, in a, in a room that's right next to the street, so you hear all the road noise, all of these things factor in. And so by the time you even get to the room, right, if you've had a miserable check-in experience, it doesn't matter how much they invested in the nice soaps or the big television or the comfy mattress or the nice shower, you're already miffed. And so from that moment on, they are literally trying to win you back. They are playing catch up. And no that is a moment to have too. a bad first impression. Exactly. Now you also know what it feels like when you check in and it's, it's quick, the light, that they're well-staffed, they're polite, they're courteous, they're efficient, they get you checked in, they get you up to your room quickly, right? That that feels good. They actually don't have to do that much more afterwards, right? Because that's it. That's that that for a for a for a, a one-night stay or a two-night stay, that was the big moment, candidly, right? So they're not interacting with you a whole lot for the next 48 hours. So that was their moment to really impress you. And that's that's the key. So I think about moment. I think about that first impression or that last impression, but I think about it in terms of those moments. Right. Um, the moment of yeah. truth. The definitive uh, definition comes from Jan Carlson back in the early 1980s. He actually titled a book "Moments of Truth," and yeah. it came out a few years later. But the definition is: anytime a customer comes into contact with any aspect of a business, they have an opportunity to form an impression. Yes. And, and that moment of truth. There are multiple moments of truth. Exactly. along that customer's journey with that company. And you're just talking about that first impression. And by the way, within that first impression of a hotel, you mentioned the line, the uh, the, the way you're, you mentioned all these different moments or interaction points that influence, you know, that original, that unique first impression. So I, it really, it's not that it's complicated, just recognize it's bigger than, you know, something that, you know, it's, right. it's a first impression. It's, it's big. Exactly. And I feel like, you know, this, you know, we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show, but it was just that notion of, you know, out there now, it's easier than ever to build things like, especially in a, in a, in a, in a again, in my universe of, of tech, it's very easy to bring a new technology to market. It, it, you know, you can launch a product that competes with a larger product. You know, we've seen it, you know, we've seen companies like, you know, um, like like a HubSpot, I remember you know many years ago HubSpot were were this kind of small CRM startup, and 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 now they're sort of this 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 sort of this tech titan. And I think that when you think about the ease in which people can compete, 
to your point, you used the word commoditized when you were introing us for this section. And I think you're totally right there because it is easier to build things. And so things do feel a little bit more commoditized. And especially candidly, like right now, again, in this economic environment, it feels a little bit more like a commodity, like people are, there is more price elasticity around, around purchasing decisions. And I think that to your point, another example I like to kind of talk about somewhat is, 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 is airlines. And I think that's that commoditization piece where the thing I'll always say is that whether I fly, I'm just going to list airlines, just, you know, no, no, no preference, but whether I fly Delta or United or American airlines, fundamentally the planes travel at more or less the same speed. They are more or less the same model plane and the seats are more or less the same size. If I'm buying that same cabin class, the televisions aren't necessarily bigger or smaller. The food isn't necessarily that much better or worse. If they even have it, if they even have it mm. fundamentally for me, I, and this is a, a shameless plug. I, I fly Alaska a lot. It obviously works with the cities I tend to fly to, but the reason I, I fly an airline like Alaska isn't because their planes are faster or the food's better. I fly Alaska because from an experience perspective, whenever I need to change a flight or if my flight is delayed or if there's something that's kind of happened on my side that means I need to change my itinerary, I can get in touch with someone who is courteous, efficient, professional, good at their job, and I can get in touch with them quite quickly and they can help me uh, you know, in, 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 in my sort of timeline. And that is a reason I will fly that airline Literally, because in those moments where I do need help, in the, in those moments, in those moments of truth where I am forming an impression, they show up. Yep. Um, and so, Alaska, it's not that it's not the you know, it's not the commodity, it's not the product, which is the flight itself. It's actually everything that goes on around the flight that mm. makes me feel confident and has me as a loyal consumer. So I often think about the term I'll often use is the loyalty gap will often exist in the experience, especially mm -hmm. in a space where um, where it's hard to differentiate on price or it's hard to differentiate on the product. Um, and that's when it's all about the experience. So the gap you're referring to, and I want to get back to the airline example in a moment, because I want to yeah. ask you a question about that. Tell me what the loyalty gap is. Summarize it in a statement. Oh, gosh. Um, I think the loyalty gap, it's it's... In my mind, it's it's the delta between where a customer sits based on just the product alone and where you want them to be, mm. which is wanting to kind of, if, in my industry, Come back again renew with you or, or right. in, 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 in Alaska's industry, buy another ticket, you know, right. that's it. It's, you know, it's that gap of the product got you this far. The plane and and the 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 meal and the food and all that sort of stuff got you here, but I need to get you here, which is basically you want to buy another ticket. Mm. Or in my world, the product got you here, but I want you to renew your subscription with us and keep us as a partner. What's that gap? And oftentimes, if there is a gap that you need to bridge, you can do that with the experience you provide. Right. Now, are you a member of their frequent flyer program? I am. Year. Yes. Yes. And are you happy with the perks that you get? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I am. I mean, another small thing, you know, when I, when I'm on the plane and I, they walk by, they say, you know, thank you. They'll just say, thank you. They'll say, thank you for being a, a rewards member, Mr. Constandy. You know, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you fly with us. You know, they're not giving me any free stuff, but it was just, 
it's just those small things, right? I love that. So recognition and personalization is yeah. a given. I mean, oh, people, yeah. when we look at the top reasons customers love doing businesses with companies is some of them can make them feel connected at a certain level. Yes. And using your name as they walk by, thanks for being a loyal rewards uh, member. Great. Do they give you free upgrades? Do they give you free trips uh, with their program? Of course yeah. they do. Of yeah. course they do. Yeah, sure. But it's actually really interesting you said that. I was listening to, um, there was a, 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 a Oh, gosh, and I forget now who it was, but I was listening to a really interesting kind of uh, a really interesting kind of uh, sort of conference speech that a gentleman gave. And he was talking he he's he used to work at um, at Disney. And he said that I, I, I as a youth, I worked at Disney. I was I was the person that got people on and off the ride safely without losing hands and, and limbs. So I make sure the, the thing, the buckle hands inside the, the thing before the ride starts. And he said it was a summer. And it was just packed and there were just thousands of thousands of people getting on and off the ride. And he said, you know, my job was to kind of maximize the throughput on and off the ride and do it safely. And he said there was this moment where these people had been waiting for hours to get on this ride that was highly desirable. And I was just, you know, I was processing them. And he used that word. I was just processing. I was getting them on the ride. And he said, and at one point, one of mechanical the, at that point. It yeah, was, uh, he said exactly one of the, the, the patrons, one of the customers kind of said, I feel like you're herding cattle right now. You know, that's what it feels like to us. And he said what he realized is he said, you know, these people had waited two hours for this experience. And I, rather than be an additive force of personalization and of customization and of, you know, making it feel personalized and 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 and, and interactive. I was just kind of like, yep, okay, you here, you here, hands inside the vehicle, seatbelts on, and we go. And he said, so I, it, it hit me. And he said, and I started to ask, like, you know, I asked, I would ask like a, a, an eight-year-old, like, hey, I love your Mickey Mouse hat. Where did you get that from? Did you, mm, what yep. rides did you go on today? And I made it an interaction and I made it personal. And I said, oh, I, you know, I love, I love your, your, you know, your Harry Potter outfit or whatever it was. You know, he said, just those small, tiny things made them excited. And made them feel like this weight was worth it and that this was an exciting moment for them. And he's kind of talked a lot about it being an experience mindset versus that, to your point, that transactional mindset, yeah. right? Where it's kind of There's a great sports analogy. I think it was Joe DiMaggio, but I could be wrong, mm-hmm. who was asked, why do you, you get out there and you put forth more effort than anybody? I mean, here you are, yeah. I mean, day in and day out, you're playing, I don't know, 160 games a year in baseball and you just do it. And he said something to the effect of, and I, and again, it might be a different, might, might've been Babe Ruth, but I think right. it was Joe DiMaggio <laughs> said, you know, there's somebody in the stands. It's the first time and maybe the last time they're ever going to see me. I want yeah. to wow. be my best or at least try to be there. And somebody going through the motions, like the guy putting on, you know, people on the Disney ride, herding cattle, so to speak. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing. It, he may be doing this all day, but for that, for that guest, that's the first and only time they may ever be on that ride. Totally. And it's yeah. a great responsibility that, that I call it the awesome responsibility the CEO of the moment. They get, yeah, to, right. They get to make right. that moment yes. you know, happen. And so here's why I was going to ask about the frequent flyer miles. If Alaska were to take away the mileage program and the free upgrades, are they still the airline that you would want to fly on? I think so. Yeah, because 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 fundamentally, um, those things are nice. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, every time I'm lucky and I I get Mm -hmm. upgraded as a surprise, obviously, you know, I that's makes me cheerful. Um, And and sure, getting the free 
the free Diet Coke or whatever it is, or the free sandwich, maybe that's nice. But to me, when I think about the impact, like those aren't, those aren't moments of truth for me, for me as a consumer. If I didn't get upgraded on a flight, uh, that wouldn't be, I wouldn't go away and say that ruined my flight. Uh, you know, this was, they didn't show up for me in that moment. I, I like it. It's nice. You, you've given the correct answer, which basically take away, if every airline took away all the perks of the, would you start looking at schedules and price over the airline that treats you a certain way, just gives you that experience without the extra perks that you earn because you fly an extra 50,000, 100,000 miles. And you've right. given me the right answer. There's there's specifically an airline that wins more than ever. We know who they are. I consider Alaska, they're not regional because they are truly a, a big airline, right. but they're not as big as American United. Well, right. Yeah, Delta, they're not right. Southwest, yeah, absolutely. Et yeah, they're not flying yeah. nationally. But, yeah. but they're still, because of where you are, they're still a big airline. And, and by the way, I've flown Alaska. I will agree. They're a great airline. Uh, they do it one and almost all the airlines, they have good and bad days. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Some are better. Some of the people are better trained to manage those bad days right. than others. Yes. Well, and so, to your point there, Shep is exactly, it's that CEO of the moment, mm -hmm. right? Like someone else I could say, I could go to a coworker and they go, Oh, Alaska was horrible. I had this terrible experience with a customer service agent because that CEO of that moment did not show up. Amen to that. All right. We are basically out of time. I always ask the final question and here it comes. What's yeah. the one last nugget of wisdom you want to lay on this audience uh, for us before we go today? Um, this is probably a, this is probably a well-trodden answer, but, but I think that, um, I think that it's to, it's to think about, think about things from, think about things from the customer's perspective. We, have a lot of smart people at zoom info i'm sure there are lots of very smart people at other companies too we have a tendency to think about things in our mindset where you know what's the best process what makes the most sense logically what what you know let's draw out the visio diagram for the flow as it should look make sense for us but i always challenge people to kind of take that exercise and flip it and be literally look at your flow or look at the thing you've designed as if you were the customer and ask yourself does this feel valuable? If I'm if I'm on the other side of this fence, does this feel valuable? Does this make sense? Like, I know it makes sense to you. Does it make sense to me as the customer? Does this feel like a good use of my time? Um, and I think challenge yourself. Challenge yourself to sort of say, can you, can you say that each step of whatever you're creating in that experience, the customer would turn around and go, yeah, I get it. I get why this is so important. And this was, this was helpful for me. And right? you know what else will say? I get it. I get why... I want to do business with them. Right. Because yeah. they figured it out. Exactly right. Because they because they make sure, because they're looking at it from, and this is an overused term as well, but that customer-centric point of view, right? How does this feel to them? Not how not how well does it work for you? How well does it work for them? And, and I and think sometimes it, as long as you keep them in consideration, you may have to make decisions that aren't good for the customer, but you have to do for your company, but at least you're considering them. Absolutely. along the way of that decision. Not every decision is going to be great. I'm just in the process of writing an article. I don't want to prolong the interview because I know we're basically out of time, but the gist of it was it's, it's not, uh, you know, there's an old saying, remember who, 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 who brought you to the dance. And that means you remember your customer when it, yeah. in business terms, remember and appreciate them, but remember what got you to the dance. 
Right. That's what a lot of companies forget. It's maybe they had a process. Maybe they did something. Maybe they had a product. Maybe they had the experience that was different. Right. And when they start to change that, they forget what got the customer there in the first place. Not right. who their customer is, but what got them there. And then right. all of a sudden they wonder, well, what happened? So anyway, Dominic, this is a great interview. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. <laughs> we have been talking with Dominic Castandi, the CCO, Chief Customer Officer of Zoom Info. Thanks for being here. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time, Shep. All right, everybody, that wraps it up. Another interview, and we will be back next week. And I hope you come back. This is Amazing Business Radio. And until that time, when we're back together, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.